0: From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. It can be hard for a foreign company to do business in the U.S. if the country where it's based doesn't have a tax treaty with the U.S. However, for businesses in Taiwan, that's not really an option, because very famously, the island occupies a complicated gray zone in terms of international recognition, At least as far as the U.S. is concerned, Taiwan is not a country and therefore not eligible for a tax treaty. But Taiwanese businesses might be about to get the next best thing. Congress is considering a bill, not a treaty, definitely not a treaty, that would normalize how businesses that work in the two countries pay taxes. And the bill has very strong bipartisan support in both chambers of Congress, with lawmakers eager to remove barriers that might prevent Taiwan's booming semiconductor industry from investing in the states. We're going to talk about the implications of this bill with Rupert Hammond Chambers, president of the U.S.-Taiwan Business Council Trade Association. He came into our offices here in Arlington, Virginia, to speak with Bloomberg tax and accounting reporter Chris Chaffee about why this bill is moving forward now and about how it could be affected by this weekend's elections in Taiwan, in which the anti-China ruling party is expected to win another term. But first, Rupert explained what
1: Congress's Taiwan tax bill would actually do. The bill primarily is focused on the issue of double taxation, not exclusively, but primarily. In 2020, the American Institute in Taiwan, our de facto embassy, did a poll of Taiwan businesses in the United States, really quite extensive, and it found that over 80% of those companies were reluctant to invest further capital in the United States as a function of the tax regime between the two.
2: So... Obviously, it's an important thing, an important piece of legislation for lawmakers to enact. But why are lawmakers and businesses so interested in this legislation right now?
1: That's such a good question. I think it really gets to the heart of it. I mean, I think your listeners surely understand, and certainly Bloomberg, given the the extensive coverage, that trade policy in the United States is a complex issue. I think the debate around the efficacy of trade for our economy has gone downhill, not up. And I say that in the context of looking at trade as an opportunity to expand economic well-being and, a, and I believe anyway, a rising tide raises all boats. But within the Republican and Democratic parties, trade has become somewhat of a dirty word. Uh, that's a, a great shame, obviously. What we have here is the most extraordinary development whereby the U.S., from a bipartisan standpoint, if we looked at the Senate Finance Committee's passage of the draft legislation for this tax agreement, it was passed with a 27 to 0 vote. Extraordinary for an economic agreement with a major trading partner in this political environment. So You ask why? Well, I think there are several things going on at the moment that create such an imperative. In no order of priority, because I think we can debate priority irrespective, of it, but no order of priority. One the importance of Taiwan to the United States now and our overall views of economic and military national security. An economic agreement with Taiwan improves Taiwan's economic well-being, it improves our economic well-being, and it further expands and binds a critical supply chain partner with the U.S. economy. At a time when, point number two, we're looking at de-risking certain aspects of the U.S. economy globally, particularly where we see high possibilities of of risk. The Taiwan Strait has obviously got a lot of courage, and the military threat posed by a hegemonic Chinese government and its aspirations to take over Taiwan, um, whether peacefully or through the use of military force. Such an attack on Taiwan would have a catastrophic impact on the US, on the global economy, not just the US economy. And in very short order, manufacturing, capital markets, and overall economic activity would be impacted, and really no one would be left untouched. So, this is about expanding and accelerating inbound investment into the United States in critical areas particularly the semiconductor space in the context of the Chips and Science Act and, and what the, uh, the Trump and Biden administrations have been doing since 2017 on the semiconductor front.
2: And I'll note, too, that Ways and Means, in addition to Senate Finance, also advanced the treaty out of its committee with all members voting in favor. There was no dissenting votes. No, no votes. Right. It was I believe it was 40 to zero.
1: Yes. So let's talk about that. What comes next? Well, the legislation obviously has strong bipartisan support. I think once it gets out onto the floor for discussion, obviously you have um, stronger fringe elements within both parties that can start to sink their teeth into it. And, uh, you know, economic agreements are going to come with some concerns, whether whether from the right or the left of the United States. We've got some tricky players on both sides, that's for sure. But I I think overall, the, the, the possibility for passage in the coming months... Is high. I think the discussion is really what vehicle will be used to ensure that this legislation is passed. I think it's unlikely that we're going to see standalone legislation passed, a tax agreement that moves through the legislative process and arrives on Mr Biden's desk. I think what's more likely is that this piece of legislation will be attached to a broader piece of legislation dealing with some of the larger domestic tax issues that are moving down the pipeline right now in Congress. You talked about
2: semiconductors and their importance not only to the US but to nations around the world. Can you talk a little bit about why Taiwan is such a critical piece in that semiconductor production?
1: Yeah. Well, I can give you one name, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, TSMC, uh, an absolute global monster now, perhaps three or four years ago if um, you and I were having a chat over a beer, um, it might be a company that we we less understood. But the fact of the matter is, is that since the supply chain disruptions uh, through COVID, uh, I think there's much broader awareness, not just within the halls of power, legislative and bureaucratic, but also within the broader population about the importance of semiconductor chips. At the core of the semiconductor industry in this day and age, are the contract manufacturers that make chips for the chip designers, are uh, companies like Nvidia, AMD, and others. Few of those businesses make their own chips. Intel is really more of an anomaly now than it is central to the chip industry. Companies go to Taiwan semiconductor to have their chips manufactured. And TSMC obviously is the biggest example, but on Taiwan, there is an ecosystem of other companies, United Microelectronics, by way of example. And then up in Korea, we of course have some Samsung Hynix, and others up there. But primarily speaking, Taiwan has managed to position itself through the prism of TSMC as the world's most important manufacturer of other people's semiconductor technology. And even in regards to its competition with Samsung, it is pulling away. So it's making itself indispensable. If we look at the areas that are going to drive growth in the technology space in the coming three to five years, AI would be a really good example. Obviously it's getting a great deal of coverage. Where are the chips going to be made to power AI devices and server, servers and so on? Taiwan Semiconductor is going to make a lot of those chips. And certainly at the highest end, it'll probably make most of them as it makes over 90% of the world's most cutting edge chips. So the centrality of Taiwan, not just today, in respect to its partnership with our technology community, but also how we look at it in the future, developing new technologies, there's no getting around it. Taiwan is absolutely central to our ambitions and goals.
2: Thinking more broadly about the importance of a company like Taiwan Semiconductor, what would the impact of a tax bill like this mean for investment between the two nations? Can you give an example of a project in the US that's being contemplated or being hindered? because of a lack of a tax treaty or relief from
1: double taxation. I'd come back to the American Institute in Taiwan's survey in 2020, the data that that was thrown off that survey, which noted that over 80% of Taiwan companies invested in the States cited the present tax regime as the primary barrier to expanding investment in the United States. What we are seeing, thankfully, as a function of the monies committed by the American people in the Chips and Science Act to accelerate inbound investment in the semiconductor industry has brought us TSMC's investment in Phoenix, Arizona. We've got two plants committed right now. I Privilege of being out there in December of 2022, the president spoke. Um, He was joined by Mr. Cook from Apple and Lisa Su from AMD and Jensen Huang from Nvidia. It was the most extraordinary day. What a testament to the importance of that TSMC commitment phoenix arizona is is already establishing itself as one of two primary bases for high-end manufacturing in the united states the other will be uh, in, in the austin texas area where apple and samsung are based in 1987 tsmc was founded in Shinju science park just south of taipei taiwan since that time over a thousand taiwan companies have been founded to support tsmc TSMC has made an important commitment to the United States. This legislation with the tax agreement is about accelerating and partnering with the Chips and Science Act to accelerate that inbound investment and capture as much of that clustering as is possible. Can you talk about a year from now, say, what kind of investment
2: do you see in some of these places? I believe there are some projects that were basically identified by companies saying, look, we are not ready to break ground on these factories or we are moving more slowly because there is not a tax agreement
1: absolutely the tax agreement is a is a critical part of that i mean it really is Mo- money matters this 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 must be addressed and and again in absolute fairness to senate finance and Senate Foreign Relations and House Ways and Means. We have leadership on both sides that recognize the centrality of the present tax regime as a barrier to accelerated investment. Even when the news is excellent coming in from Taiwan, they want the US economy to be fed by a fire hose in respect to inbound investment because there is a sense of urgency. What we do not have a good feel for is the timeline that Mr. Xi and his colleagues in China have for their expansive view of China's territorial ambitions including Taiwan if there is a contingency in the taiwan strait whether blockade or god forbid a kinetic action uh, that results in war supply chains are going to come to a halt immediately and it won't just be us taiwan china if there's a conflict us taiwan china it will shut down north asia that's korea and japan as well so we are in we are in a hurry here in the states to get this passed. So I think we'll see that through this year. US government policy, uh, as a function of its relationship with Taiwan and the enormous pressure on the technology community parochially, but I think the US economy generally, to start de-risking from China, to look for ways to shift the supply chain and ensure that there are better locations are less likely to be disrupted. Investment in the US has grown nine times since 2017. And in the first 11 months of this year, almost 10 billion US of Taiwan investment came into the US, the point of the tax agreement is to catalyze that yet further. The US can and should continue to position itself as the primary location for outbound Taiwan technology investment. It's good for the US economy, it's good for US-Taiwan relations, and critically, if, God forbid, there's any disruption to supply chains, it will ensure that the US economy is robust enough to get through that period if, if, uh, if it were to actually take place.
2: So I wanted to ask you about something that's going to happen on January 13th. Taiwan holds its elections, and polls project that the ruling party is on track to win uh, a record third straight term. Can you talk about what is at stake in this election, and how could the outcome impact the U.S.-Taiwan relationship and the tax treaty itself?
1: Definitely. So what we're looking at right now, Chris, as you astutely note, is it's likely that Leichinger, who's presently the vice president under Tsai Ing-wen of the Democratic Progressive Party's, the ruling party of Taiwan, is likely to win. It looks like he's a solid four to five points ahead. What that necessarily means from an executive branch standpoint is continuity in U.S.-Taiwan relations. Even though we have had, um, obviously, increased tensions in the Taiwan Strait, the U.S., since President Tsai was elected in 2016, but particularly since 2017 2018, has had a remarkable period of continuity with the government in Taipei under Tsai Ing-wen, where we are in lockstep with them on technology policy, on policies towards China for de-risking, for uh, inhibiting the ability of Beijing to secure critical technologies, whether through nefarious means or whether through uh, joint ventures and other agreements with companies um, that from a mercantilist standpoint may make sense, but from from a national security standpoint in the long run would necessarily hurt the United States and its partners and allies. It's been an extraordinary period. And Leichinger, Represents continuity in that regard. I don't want to be uncharitable and dismissive of his two primary uh, uh, competitors in the race, Ho Yui and Ko je who's a wee bit behind uh, Ho Yui. Um, they certainly would place significant importance on the US relationship. However, they are committed to re energizing the China relationship, and that will come at some cost to them, as the Chinese will ask for concessions in certain areas possibly areas as critical as technology cooperation between China and Taiwan. And the sorts of things that Taiwan has been reflexively willing to do under Tsai Ing-wen, may be more open to debate if the nationalists and Huyui are to are, are to secure power.
0: That was Rupert Hammond-Chambers with the U.S.-Taiwan Business Council speaking with Chris Chaffee. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news on latest tax and accounting developments at our website news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz. Martha Mueller-Neff is our editor from Washington. I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. In a global tax landscape that changes by the day, it's what you don't know that can leave you exposed. At Bloomberg Tax, we provide market-leading intelligence and practical applications to help tax professionals work smarter, faster, and more accurately. Our solutions provide the insights you need for game-changing outcomes. To revolutionize your performance in real time, the difference is Bloomberg Tax. Learn more at pro.bloombergtax.com.